Welcome back to the fifth and final session of our study of Galatians. In the last session, we talked about the theme of freedom, continuing in our, our theme of Paul's gospel as the good news of Christian freedom. And we looked at freedom in the spirit, what it looks like to live into true freedom for Paul. Today, I want to wrap up our study by looking at another final theme that comes up in the last two chapters of this book. Specifically, how does the gospel transform Christian community? What does a community of persons freed by the gospel look like? A community is a central theme in Paul's letters. With very rare exception, such as his correspondence to Timothy and to Titus, all of the canonical letters that we have in the New Testament from Paul are written to Christian communities. And they were meant to be read out loud to whole communities of people at a time, not just to individuals. And it's not just that. In his letters, Paul has a lot to say about how communities of Christians should behave together, how they should treat one another. And this is not just a, a practical theme for Paul. That's an important point. It's not in his letters as if Paul talks about theology and the gospel. And then after doing that, he gets onto some practical matters about, here's some advice about how you should live. For Paul, this discussion of how the community of Christians lives together, how they behave toward one another, is central to his understanding of the gospel. This is still a very theological theme for him. The New Testament scholar Richard Hayes has talked about this, and he explains why this is for Paul. Here's what he says. What is God doing in the interval between the resurrection and Christ's return? According to Paul, God is at work through the Spirit to create communities that prefigure and embody the reconciliation and healing of this world. That's why community is so central for Paul, because God is at work by the Spirit. And this is part of the good news, what God is doing in creating communities that embody His work. Galatians, like many of Paul's letters, ends with a discussion of the Christian community, how they should behave toward one another. And this isn't an afterthought. It's part of the good news of Christian freedom. Today, I want to look at that, and I'm titling this session, A Free Community. There are two things that I'd like to focus on in Paul's discussion. Two things, two observations I'd like to make about what he has to say. The first is that a free community for Paul is one that is not competitive. It's a non-competitive community. And the second one, and this is a little surprising, is that a truly free community for Paul is not independent, but is filled with people who are mutually dependent on each other, people who need each other. So I want to start, though, by looking at this first observation, that a free community is a non-competitive community. And to appreciate how significant this is and what Paul is saying in his letter here, it's helpful to keep in mind the social context that he lived in and the social context of his original audience, these Christians in ancient Galatia. They were Romans, and Roman society 
was obsessed with honor, acquiring honor, maintaining honor, asserting honor. The ancient Roman politician Cicero, he describes how the Romans loved honor. Here's what Cicero says. By nature, we yearn and hunger for honor. And once we have glimpsed, as it were, some part of its radiance, there is nothing we are not prepared to bear and to suffer in order to secure it. it. As you can imagine, this made for a highly competitive society. There was a constant struggle to assert and defend one's public reputation. The ancient philosopher Seneca says that this love of honor was not true only for the wealthy aristocratic class, but even those who were slaves so highly prized their honor that Cicero says they would rather be attacked or physically beaten or even killed than suffer an insult. And this produced a lot of conflict as well. One Roman historian describes this honor society as one in which every tiff is a tumult and every wrangle a war. And in some ways, I think this isn't too different from our own culture. It's not that hard to imagine what it feels like to live in a culture that's focused on honor. We've talked a lot in the past couple sessions about identity. And for us in today's society, identity is often based on success. But success is measured by how we compare ourselves to others. Success is based on how we are competing in society. And so that's what's really important. That's the measure of a person's worth a lot of times for us. Not just if she is smart or clever or pretty or popular. What's important is to be smarter and prettier, more popular, more wealthy, more successful than the next person. And this is true even in childhood. Cicero remarked about how Roman boys would compete and struggle with each other to win the praise of those around them because it was so important for them to gain honor. And it's similar with us today. There's a farmer and writer that I really like named Wendell Berry. And he talks about how competition is bred right into the heart of the American educational system. Listen to what Wendell Berry has to say about education and the goals of education and how so much of it is based on competition. Up, he says, up is the direction from small to big, and education is the way up. The popular aim of education is to put everybody on top. Well, I think I hardly need to document the consequent pushing and trampling and kicking in the face. This competition, with all its pushing and trampling and kicking in the face, this is kind of similar to how Paul in Galatians describes society of people who are driven by their desires of the flesh, as he calls it, that turned in on the self, the self-interest. What does it look like? It looks like com competition and hostility. Remember what he says in Galatians chapter 5. Verses 19 through 21, how the works of the flesh are evident and they include things like enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, he says, dissension, 
division, envy, all of these are descriptions of a community or a society of people who are driven by competition and who see one another as a threat to their honor or their status. The good news of Paul's gospel is that Christians have been freed. They have been liberated from this competitive struggle. You don't have to fight to assert your worth. That's what Paul's telling the Galatians. You don't have to be a part of this competition. You don't have to be a part of all this trampling and pushing and kicking in the face because your worth, who you are, is already guaranteed. That's what his good news has been. Who you are is based not on competition, but on your union with Christ. And Paul wants to point out that Christians express this freedom, that they live into it by behaving and living in a very different way with one another. They're not proud or envious toward one another, Paul says. Here's how he puts it in Galatians 5, verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Instead, Paul describes a community of people who are peaceful and patient, kind with one another, gentle, not competing, not struggling, but doing good to one another, looking out for the interests of those around them. In chapter 6, verse 10, he says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the faith. This is not how Roman society worked. People didn't just do good to everyone. Sure, you might have done magnanimous and, uh, and good, good deeds toward those who were deserving or toward those who, who could uh, give you honor. You might do great and apparently sacrificial deeds if you could do it in public and if it would be credited to your status, if people would see it and would marvel at you. But Romans, no, Ro no Roman would have thought that they were obliged or that they ought to do good to all of those around them simply for the sake of the person's good. Certainly not to those who are lower than them or those who perhaps were even slaves. That would never have occurred to a Roman. That, that's precisely what Paul's saying. The Christian community is a very, very different community, and it lives in a very, very different way. And this is the first mark. This is the first characteristic of what it means to be a really, truly free people. This is how you embody freedom, Paul is saying. It's the first sign that the gospel that the good news of Christian freedom has taken root, that instead of competition and self-interest, you have a community of people who are living together and doing good to one another in love. So that's the first characteristic that I mentioned. And, but there's another one that Paul draws attention to. And this one is a little bit strange. Paul says that Christians, though they are free, they are not independent. I think this is strange because we often tend to equate these two things. 
We often tend to think of freedom as independence, as taking responsibility for yourself. To be truly free means that you don't have to depend on others or those around you. But this is not true for Paul. The freedom of the gospel brings not independence, but actually a kind of radical dependence on one another. I remember what he said in chapter 5, verse 13, that we talked about last week. For you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but become slaves to one another through love. Become slaves to one another. That doesn't just mean serve one another. It means be dependent on one another, depend on each other, that you are not only serving, but that you depend on the other person's service. And he says something very similar in chapter six and right in the beginning of chapter six, where he says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This last statement, bear one another's burdens, this is really a remarkable summary of Paul's vision of what a truly free, a truly Christian community looks like. For Paul, a free community is one where no one is self-sufficient, all are mutually dependent on one another as they bear each other's burdens. It's why Paul in other letters will talk about the Christian community by using the metaphor of a body with different working parts, different limbs and organs, all working together, all mutually dependent. The hand cannot go and simply live on its own. And you're dependent in numerous ways. Right here in Galatians, when Paul talks about someone falling into transgression and needing to be restored, he's talking about how Christians are dependent on each other in their spiritual lives, rescuing each other from sin. Or elsewhere, as he talks about teaching and ministering to one another in times of need. But Christians are also dependent on one another in terms of basic material needs. And Paul thinks that this too is a way to express the gospel. In Galatians, he talks about this a little bit in chapter six, verse six, where he says that one who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. This means that Christians need to share the cost of teaching, that they need to share their material resources to free up certain people in the community to have time to study scripture and to teach one another. In other letters, Paul encourages Christians to share material resources as need arises. For example, Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, he talks to them about a collection of money that he's taking up for the church in Jerusalem. And he exhorts the Corinthians to give generously to this collection. And here's what he says to them about that giving. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. So this is what Christian community looks like. This is what freedom looks like when put into practice. 
It's a society of people who depend on each other, people who bear one another's burdens, who share each other's needs. This is what the gospel both commands and directs us to do, and also what it frees us and enables us to do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, he wrote this great little book called Life Together, where he reflects on what it means to be Christians in community with each other. And he talks about this passage in Galatians chapter 6, where Paul is discussing bearing one another's burdens. And here's what Bonhoeffer says. Christians are obliged to bear with and suffer one another. But what is more important, now, by virtue of the law of Christ having been fulfilled, they are also able to bear one another. Now, this isn't always easy. It's a difficult thing to take responsibility for the needs of others. It's a difficult thing to bear with others. And it's an even more difficult thing sometimes to burden others around us with our own needs. Sometimes it feels easier to be the person bearing the burden than the person who recognizes that I need you and I need to burden you with my needs. Every time I think about this passage, I think back to an experience that my wife and I had when we were living in Boston. And we were part of a small group in a church there. And we had just actually discussed this part of Paul's letter about bearing one another's burdens. And in our small group, we had talked about what that means is that we need to be willing to burden each other when needs arise. So just a couple weeks after that discussion, um, Rachel and I, my wife and I, we had left church and we got in our car to drive home and the car wouldn't start. And there we were with several small children, the car wouldn't start, uh, it, was, it was misty outside, it was cold, and two of our friends uh, who were part of our small group were walking out of the church and saw us and came by. And they offered to help. The wife said that she would take Rachel and the kids home and the husband volunteered to stay with me and help me as I got the car towed to the mechanic. But Rachel and I immediately started off by refusing, saying, oh, no, no, you don't need to do that. Just, you know, we can take the train. Don't worry about that. You don't need to, you know, inconvenience yourselves. And I loved their response. It was a response of good friends. They said, don't you remember what we just talked about? You need to burden us. You need to allow us to bear with you and to bear your burdens. And so they did. And accepting their help, that was something that kind of graded against our sense of independence and self-reliance. We felt like we were self-sufficient. But it helped us to learn, on a practical sense, what it means to live in a community that's defined by this gospel of freedom and this gospel that enables us to depend on each other. The Christian community is one who has been freed by the gospel. And because of that, we are not competitive with each other. Our worth is not at stake. And we have been freed to bear with one another and to burden one another with our needs. This is the good news of Christian freedom. This is what is at stake for Paul as he's writing to the Galatians. 
will you receive this freedom, this freedom that comes through the gift of Christ? That's what he's asking them. And will you demonstrate that freedom by serving one another and depending on one another? That's what Paul is asking of the Galatians. And that is also what he is asking of us today.